I'm Michelle Sims, and this is the Beauty in the Mess, a community where people who crave a shift in mindset, personal growth, and connection to like-minded people come together to start rewriting their stories. Through engaging, honest, and insightful conversations, the show will help you embrace the mess to recognize the meanings and the lessons it holds and discover its hidden treasures to help you start making a mindset shift. Let's listen, learn, and reclaim who we were meant to be. Hi, friend. Welcome to the Beauty in the Mess. For this episode, I'm very happy to welcome Sam Mitchell to the show. Sam was diagnosed at the age of four with high-functioning autism. Sam wants people to know that he is not broken. He doesn't need to be fixed. He wants people to know that there is no normal in this world. And he is truly embracing who he is, and he wants the same for everyone else, period. Hi, I'm Michelle Sims, your host. I'm just a regular person who, along with my family, have had our share of messes that we too have had to overcome. Along the way, I got curious as to how others get through their messes and even triumph over them. Maybe there's a better way, a faster way. Maybe we can accelerate our journeys by learning from someone else. That started my pursuit. I think we can all learn from each other through the sharing of our experiences, lessons, and knowledge. Join me for episode 42 of The Beauty in the Mess called Rocking Autism with Sam Mitchell. Sam is a successful podcaster, an advocate for autism, a motivational speaker, an entrepreneur, and a blogger. He has even published a TED Talk. He has made it to the top 10 in the People's Choice Podcast Awards, placed second in the state of Indiana for the JAG Entrepreneurship Project, and was selected as Best Business at the CEO Trade Show in Indiana, and he was in the top 200 podcasts in all of Canada. So without further ado, let's dive right into today's conversation. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the Beauty and the Mess. I'm so glad to have you today. Thank you, darling. Appreciate you letting me come on. Oh, I'm so glad you wanted to be on. So I know you like to promote like autism awareness and help people understand autism. But I was wondering, like, before we get into what you're doing today and all the exciting stuff going on in your life, if you could tell us some of your background, like what it was like growing up with autism, how they discovered you had autism, some of your journey. I can try my best. So yes, my name is Sam Mitchell. I run the podcast, Autism Rocks and Rolls. And it is a podcast about autism and how we cope with daily struggles that you may or may not understand. I've ran since October 2019. Some of the biggest guests I've had are Dr. Temple Grandin and professional wrestler Mick Foley, along with many other amazing guests. But through the show, it's grown so much that we develop sponsors and nonprofit with the Board of Eight events in Indiana, which is where I'm from, and speaking engagements. I've spoken in Oklahoma, Orlando three times, Canada, Stewart, Florida, and Washington, D.C. Wow. it's a lot. Very impressive. So what was it like? when you were a child, when you were growing up, and when did they discover that you had autism? Yeah, I remember you asking that now. My bad, I had a brain fart there. Dumb me. Uh, anyway, my diagnosis was at the age of four. Apparently, according to my mother, I just did not like loud noises, and there are classic symptoms. As you would say, I was very walking kind of not right, is the way to put it, physically. Okay. I only said 10 words and I was not the guy who would look at the camera. I still don't. And yet people are picky on that. Go figure. I don't understand the reason, but those were some of these symptoms I showed. Okay. So once you discovered autism, did you, what do they do for it or do they do anything? 
uh, life made a lot more sense, first of all, with the autism. Okay. But my family were firm believers in letting me be myself, regardless, having what the show is called, The Beauty is in the Mess. Exactly. So that's what they believed. They believe my beauty is in this big mess in my brain. That's awesome. So was it any different for you going through school than anybody else? Did they understand your differences? Oh, yes. Well, my school in particular, the students sucked, but the staff was great. I can understand that. Because kids at my mother's age that she teaches, she teaches eighth graders, and kids in general, they don't have time for different. Let's be realistic. Exactly. I think you've probably seen that even with some of the students saying, maybe not your children in particular. I'm not trying to say your children at all. I'm just saying the majority of children do not like the word different. They think instead of, oh, let's bring them on the ship, let's push them off and make them walk the plank. The staff, great. The staff was phenomenal. I had a lot of amazing teachers. They were very open. I, oddly enough, still to this day sometimes, interact with the adults better than the children at the school because I think adults were more of accepting and but let the quirks pass okay versus the students they wouldn't let the quirks pass they nitpick if you just pop their subject if you were talking about pepperoni pizza the next moment you're talking about the schedule for tomorrow it didn't make sense to them so to them it was I'm not dealing with this it's too frightening right and to be fair to the children they don't have the same mental reasoning as an adult yet and I haven't matured so I'll, I'll give you that I'll agree with that one I understand exactly what you're saying I just I think maturity also plays a big role in it so at least for my kids what they went through I would agree with that I would agree with that too I've heard that you don't really develop the social part of your brain fully and maturely until you're 25 and I'm 21 so I haven't even figured it out yet Oh, wow. Well, that's good, though, that you're fully aware of that. So I, I was reading some of the statistics on autism, and I'm sure as an advocate for autism, you know a lot of these statistics already, but I was reading where as of 2023, one in 36 children in the United States are getting diagnosed with autism. And they said the prevalence since 2000, so it's been 23 years, has increased 178% in the United States. So it's really kind of a huge increase. It really is a huge increase. And I feel like it's going to keep growing because back in the year of 20, let's see, 2019, I think it was one in 45. Now it's one in 36. I think that was part of the portion of the podcast, why it was so good timing, because it was very relevant. People at the time I started the podcast started to see, oh, more people are getting diagnosed, we should probably at least get some more information beyond what we already know. What what do we know about autism? Do we know what causes it yet? Have they figured that out? I don't think so. I think people have said it's genetics, and that could be. I could see that making sense because probably somewhere along the line in my family, there's been somebody on the autism spectrum who either didn't get diagnosed or did not have the capacity to understand that they were getting diagnosed. They were just on the spectrum and maybe didn't know because we have a history with autism from being institutionalized to right. where we are today currently. So that's an excellent question. 
And that's a doctor question too. Okay. There are a lot of people with autism, but not everybody chooses to become an advocate. What created that drive in you to become an advocate and to try to spread awareness about it and help other people with autism? Do you know? Well, I've kind of had that drive since I was young. I've always wanted to do something good for the world, whether that be helping out with Make-A-Wish Foundation, just to give an example. Right. But just doing something good where I can walk through the door and be like, ah, I did something great today. Right. That is fulfillment to me where I, it's actually in society would be labeled as good. So I've always had that drive, but I want to be an autism advocate more when I started my high school's media club. And I saw that I wasn't going to be a senior in high school forever. So I thought, let's continue these media skills by starting a podcast about autism because I have it. And this is my lifelong dream of using a platform to do something good for the world and to help out others who have either A, been in my case, or B, need to understand what it's like to be in the person's case with autism because it affects the families too. Yeah, that absolutely does. So this drive for the podcast developed in high school, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's when it started was a high school media club that I thought, ooh, this seems kind of fun. Let's see what they're about. That's when I was introduced to podcasting. I'm currently going for college to study broadcasting. So I get to mess around with soundboards all day. So I get to also expand my knowledge and hopefully we'll get a degree. That's awesome. So do you think there's a lot of people walking out around out there that haven't been diagnosed with the high functioning autism? Oh yeah. I bet there's a lot of people out there right now who don't know it, but they have some form of autism. I talked to my friend the other day. He's my childhood best friend and he knows this. So he probably won't mind me saying it, but I think he's got some form of autism. Oh, wow. But he's never been diagnosed. No, I but I think he does. And I'm the last guy to judge him on it. I think he just has some traits that show it. That remind me of doing some stuff that I want to do, <laughs> but can't. Right. But he doesn't care. So, yeah, I have at least three friends that have autistic children. So what are some of those symptoms for the high functioning autistics? What are some of those symptoms that people could try to? Well, sometimes they have foot and mouth syndrome. They have what? I'm sorry. Foot and mouth syndrome. They're too blunt. Oh. (laughs) They have no filter whatsoever. They're not afraid to tell you off. Oh, wow. Is the way to put it. Okay. And sometimes they'll tell you off and not realize that they're being mean. It's just telling the truth straightforward as the way they see it. Okay. They don't do plan Bs, as they call it. They're like all or none. Go big or go home. There's no middle where it's big, but it's also kind of in the home baseline. And you've heard the common ones with social, yeah, not antisocial as much as just social struggles, really. Okay. They just don't blend in with the other children. Yeah, they just don't blend in. They go they like to march to the beat of their own drum. Like I've never followed a popular trend. The first time I'll hear a popular trend going on or a popular dance is through someone my age. Okay. So that's one of them. That's something for you there. Let's see. They don't they do have sensory issues. That's one of another common myths. I won't lie to you there. It just depends on what it is. Some go with taste, like they don't like the taste of yogurt. Mine is feeling, so I don't like to wear a wet t-shirt. That's something I don't get how people tolerate. 
I, and I laugh that people do. And I'm like, well, I know I'm not doing that. So how do they, do you know how they separate like the sensory perception disorder from autism? Or is that part of the spectrum? It's part of it, but I think it comes with the social. Like if you are great socially, but you're just sensory issues are way beyond off the chart. Yeah. Then it's probably just sensory processing disorder. But if you are having the sensory processing issues with the other symptoms that I mentioned previously, then it's highly likely you're going to get diagnosed. And hey, if you're diagnosed with autism, it's not a death sentence. So don't threat about it. Yeah, it doesn't seem to have held you back at all. So it, it has. I won't lie to you. I mean, there's a lot of hidden what you don't see behind closed doors where it affects me. I've never been able to drive. I'm not a good driver. You're not going to see me racing in NASCAR anytime soon. Or, you know, you won't see me in any cooking competition either. I'm not a person who can cook. It's not the fact that I don't want to cook. It's the fact that it's just overwhelming. The best thing I have cooked before are eggs. Okay. So, but you did interview someone that that's a race car driver that has high functioning autism, correct? Correct. So it's just the differences in people. Yeah, it's, it, that's just a difference in people. But I'm just saying the majority sometimes like certain motor skills. Okay. That could include washing their hands, maybe sleep even. A lot of times I've done, I'll dig some research that a lot of people on the spectrum often have sleep issues like insomnia or sleep apnea. Oh, wow. I hadn't heard that one. They've also got something else that comes with it too, here and there. There's a lot of people out there with autism, but have OCD too, bipolar, ADHD, Tourette's. ADHD is me too. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have a daughter with ADHD, pretty severe. So I understand that one for sure. Was your, I know you mentioned that like you don't like looking in the camera. Is that a symptom also? Uh, it can be early on. That's one where that was probably one that was definitely a defiant factor. We are like, yep. That's Sam with autism, all right. And I still don't look at the camera. I still don't. It's rare that I do. And I'll tell you, it's because, like, right now, I could probably look at the camera if you took a picture. But let's add 20 people in here chatting in a focus group. Okay. And I'm distracted. So part of it's the ADHD maybe being distracted. But children with autism don't tend to make eye contact, correct? Yeah, I don't play the eye contact game either. And it's not the fact that I don't realize it. Like, I never have realized not making eye contact. And it's something that I, not saying I don't want to do or I want to do. It's just something that I just don't play. Okay. And it's probably because of social anxiety. Got a lot of that to deal with. And it's fun to deal with sometimes. really is not. However, I think it's also, also, also partially due to the autism. Okay. That totally makes sense. So it is amazing to hear because I've never really, like I said, I have friends with children with autism, but I've never really talked to the kids about autism. So it's very interesting for me to be able to talk to somebody with autism and hear the struggles and the successes that you have. It's very aggravating because a lot of people like yourself right now see the successful side. You don't see the struggles. A lot of times, 90% of the disabilities are hidden and they're mental, which can be very challenging. Do you find that people get 
at least in your younger years, like people would get agitated because they didn't understand that you have a different way of processing things. And they look at you and you look, I, I don't want to offend in any way, you look a hundred percent like anybody else. You know what I mean? You just look like a, a normal man. So, but when you don't respond the same way, would they get agitated or did you ever experience that? Oh, I would agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, that's very frustrating because what is normal to me? Honestly, I don't see that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean it that way. No, you weren't offending me. I was just saying there's nothing. You were just trying to think of a word. Totally get it. Exactly. But I just believe that there is no normal. And that is very aggravating because it's not the fact I don't want to. I try to. It's just I don't follow along. And a lot of social anxiety comes with it because I'm not a person who likes to do in-person conversations. I do them. It's just that I struggle more with them versus virtual okay. conversations with texting or messaging because I can actually take the time to read the message. But, okay, let's see what they mean here. Do, 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 do. I'm playing teacher right now. Okay, next statement will be this versus the in person, I can't think that to be quick on my feet. And a lot of cases I can be quick on my feet, but when it comes to socializing in particular, no, I'm not a quick thinker when it comes to socializing. I need time to look at the conversation and the dialogue. So do you just try to avoid social interactions? I mean, honestly, or do you make yourself participate? And mm, I do, I do if I have really bad social anxiety days where it's just like, God, I do not feel good today at all socially because I'm scared and I'm not mad. I'm just scared right? due to a lot of other people just throwing me in the ditch more than having some other friends. So I have to tolerate that. But on the majority of days, yeah, I do it because I think I need to. And it's probably a great challenge for me. However, if I had the choice, I'd rather get behind the phone. And it's sad because the phone is obviously a great tool in some cases. And I think it's good for me personally, but it's also bad for me because I miss out on a lot of social opportunities. For example, I missed out on prom because I know in person it would have been a very sweating and difficult time. But if we had a virtual prom, that could be great, but that doesn't exist. Right. Yeah, I can understand that. And it's interesting to hear, and I'm sure it's for anyone that suffers with anxiety, that some days are definitely worse than others. And you can tell if you're having a rough day before you even go to the event, I'm sure. Yeah, there's a lot of like mental prep I have to do. For example, currently, before I had to get on here, I had to listen to music. I do a lot of music therapy with rock and roll, ACDC, Metallica. So if you're a rock and roll enthusiast, let's hit it up. But I have to do a lot of that to mentally prep. And I have an event coming up soon that I'm going to go to, like a little concert for through one of my sponsors to hang out with them. But I have to mentally prep for it because of the amount of people that can, if I don't, overwhelms me. Do you just keep talking to yourself through the event also? I try to. And I try to do a lot of things that make, I try I cannot speak today. I try to stay on the positives, what I do have. So maybe I go get a hot dog and I focus on eating the hot dog. I focus on the music that's playing right now because it's so cool. 
I focus on the fact that my family's right beside me. So I try to look at what I do have versus what I don't have. So I don't have the friend, but look what's in my hand right now. Right. That's great. And I love how you said what is normal. There is no normal because that's so true. I mean, every human being is so different. There's a whole spectrum of different personalities and different issues. And so there really is no normal. There really isn't, man. I don't even think that's a fair word to even use because I think what's normal is doing what's happy, what's making you happy and what is successful. And that to you, and that includes something that's a little bit off. So be it. I mean, that includes getting the mail every day, then going back to bed to sleep. Great. You did something. The only rule I have to be successful is you've got to get out of that bed. That's it. And I'm not going to ignore that there's definitely some rates of higher success in the other people's mind. But in my mind, the person who just got the mail every day is just as successful as Taylor Swift. Right. It's all dependent on that person, their struggles, their personality, their hopes, their happiness. Like you said, what makes them happy? Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. And I think we can do some challenging here and there, but I survive. And I think that's an accomplishment. Oh, absolutely. It is a living nightmare for me to go through airports, but I go through them and I'm definitely applauding myself or a little pat on the back when I hop on the plane and go off the next airport and I'm out of the living nightmare. I think airports are a nightmare for everybody, to be honest, but I understand what you're saying. And some of the bigger ones like O'Hare or JFK or whatever. I mean, there there's just so much going on and, and trying to get from one side to the other and they're huge and yeah. It's funny. I like the structure of them, but I think they need to change the material. The idea of having security, I think it's needed. I can see why, but the way it's done. I agree with you on that. <laughs> so is there any other things that we might not think about that are for you a huge struggle that you don't think other people might struggle with, like airports? Uh, decision-making. My decision-making can be a little bit off. I like to do what's right and smart. But when one's right, in my view, and one's smart, which one do you pick? So how do you decide then? I always go with the right, always. Okay. I, if it's if I'm going to get held through it later, so be it. It was the right decision for humanity. Right. Not for them, maybe. Was it the sharpest idea? My brain might kill me later. But I go with the gut and I went with what was right in my heart. Well, it's, from your level of success, it sounds like that's serving you very well. So I'm trying to do at least. So let's talk a bit about your podcast. So what I know you highlight people with high functioning autism on the podcast to show their successes and, and their struggles and how they made it. So what else do you focus on in your podcast? Success for all and how we get there. Okay. One of my guests, for example, did not like, he didn't celebrate his view. We don't see eye to eye on that. I believe in celebrating it. He doesn't because he doesn't want to be the person knowing Down syndrome. He wants to be known as the MMA fighter. So, okay, we're going to celebrate your success that you're an MMA fighter. 
and I want to want to learn more about you. He he didn't value his ability, right? But I I valued it. I value every ab ability in this world that exists, or impairment is what it's called. I think there's ways around it if it there is an impairment, right? So do you have like average or local people on your podcast too that suffer? Yeah, the one of my local ones came out today. Her name's Adrienne Nassim. She is a person who with autism, who also has done some English, got a BA in that, has worked for newspapers, wrote a blog for a magazine, did a column. And on top of that, she has a service dog. Oh, wow. And that's something we celebrate too, is resources out there that are existing. Because I think we definitely have resources, but we need more. The way I see it is I'm from a small town. That's probably the size from the wall right here to my door out there, which isn't very far. And I have to drive 20 minutes to go to get help if I ever need it. My point though is I have to drive further than what I should drive. In every place, we need either an autism source a disability source or a mental health source. Yeah. And there, there is kind of a, just in general, like a mental health crisis, as far as people are having to drive many times, like two hours, if they see a psychiatrist or a psychologist, or, you know, they're saying that there's like a shortage. So it it is an issue. And I'm sure with autism, it's the same. It is the same. It's very aggravating. There's definitely some sources in my nearest big town, but there's not enough. There should be one on each side. Right. The majority of sources are for the autism and mental health is on one side of town. And in my view, we need to expand that to all sides, north, south, west, east. Yeah, especially with it growing in numbers, it makes a lot of sense. So are there online sources that are available that would help someone who, like yourself, is far away from a physical resource that is true and i probably should acknowledge that i didn't even think about acknowledging that until now we have online sources but some people i think would rather do better with in-person sources so you could just stick something online like here you go read this have a nice day well it also depends on what issue you're having at that moment yeah it depends on the persons okay some out there though and the majority are like no i need to talk to somebody i can't just read a manuscript from a doctor. I need to literally talk to a doctor and hear from their mouth. This is where you need to go, man. Or at least get a start too, because my podcast likes to explain the emotional side and why. Doctors can tell you we have conversation, lack of skills. Why? They'll give you this big fancy science reason. I don't want to know the science. I want to know what in his brain in particular, not the science reason, or the part of his brain that makes him not understand conversations, but why does Sam Mitchell in general struggle with conversations? Right. You want to hear it in layman's terms, maybe? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Exactly. We don't want a big, fancy science doctor term. We want a human term. So would like tele-appointments help in any way? Like you're talking to a person, like you're talking to me, but you're talking to a doctor on Zoom if you live far away? Would that help or does it does it actually need to be a physical person right in front of you? It can be. And if that's better 
to do, then great. But if you have an in-person source, I'm going to give you to go to the in-person. Say so that's even better. But again, depends on what you want. Are you a person who likes virtual better? Okay, here's a virtual source. Right. You're the person who wants to read the manuscript. Awesome. Oh, you need to talk to someone? Right. Okay, let's see what I can find. I'm happy that you're bringing awareness to all of this. That's an amazing journey that you've set out in front of you. And I'm sure you're doing an awesome job at that. Me too, at least. I said attempting to, at least. Oh, absolutely. And I think we all want to learn and help in, in some way. So what else do you discuss on the podcast? You talk about resources. Like I hadn't thought of a service dog for people with autism. And that, that's an awesome idea, but it's something that I hadn't even thought of. I mean, you normally think of like a person that has seizures or some something like that. It's also just good for humanity. In my opinion, I had a person on once upon a time, had nothing to do with autism, but in California, there's this amazing foundation. It's like Make-A-Wish, but with movies. It's Make-A-Film Foundation. I'm, the, I'm one of the proud ambassadors for it. Got to have her on the show. We instantly like each other. And I think what she's doing is so great that I wanted to help out more with it. Because these children who don't have long left due to uncontrollable factors and relentless conditions, let's call it that, get to live out their legacies by making movies. And they're not just low in tech in the woods movies. They're high quality with Johnny Depp and J.K. Simmons. Oh, wow. That is pretty awesome. Yeah, it is pretty awesome. And I also like to do a lot of other sources because some of those sources are needed. The ABA sources, while some have their own views on it, they're needed for some. Because I'm a firm believer in not trying to cure. People say, oh, let's cure autism. Let's cure depression. Wrong. However, what I do believe in is helping it, trying to get it managed, optimizing. And for as long as these conditions have been around and no one's found a cure, so to speak, like you said, just trying to help people deal with it, right? How do I live a normal life with this? And autism covers a wide spectrum. I have a friend that's got a lower functioning autistic child versus the high functioning. And it's very different situations for sure. It is very different situations. And that's what I kind of find fascinating with the spectrum itself is you can have someone like myself who is in college right now has an apartment but lacks certain daily motor skills but for the most part knows about the world he knows what's around him right he can figure out stranger danger you have someone else who okay he's middle of the road he doesn't understand certain motor skills but thrives at some if you put him in an apartment by himself he will fail and it's not saying because he's going to fail no it's because as a parents, you made the choice that he has to live with you because realistically, you're going to send him to a messy apartment and a wrong place. It's just not a good place for him. Right. But then you have someone else who, in their minds, they're three years old. Right. Exactly. So if someone's listening and they think maybe they have some symptoms of autism on the high functioning spectrum, what, what would you suggest they do? I mean, is it important to get diagnosed? Well, first, in my view, I know I said earlier, doctors right. can't understand the emotional side, and they can't. My, that's just my opinion. But 
they're a good starter. They are a really good starter to get the diagnosis because they have tools that can give you the medical condition. I can't give you the medical condition. I can give you my opinion, but you probably want facts at that time frame. So let's go get the facts first. And then instead of hearing a science reason, which if you want to hear, hey, that's on your boat. If you find interesting, great. Right. I probably would want to find out that too someday. However, let's figure out the reason why emotionally. Do you think it's uh, beneficial to get that diagnosis? I mean, do you think that, like you said, for you, it helped give answers to why certain things, you know, you were doing certain things or certain things? The minute I was diagnosed, I would tell them. Now, it depends on the age. There are factors. If they're three, maybe not the time because of just their limiting factors of understanding the world. Right. But I was diagnosed at four. I was told at six years old. And once I was told, my life made more sense. And I had a reason. So this, so I could be like, this is why I'm not the good at conversations, the best. And it's a legit reason. It's nothing... An excuse like my dog ate my homework, it's a medical condition that makes me struggle with social anxiety. And I'm not trying to use autism as an excuse because no. you can still live a great life with it. You can still struggle with conversations, but you can possibly make it in the world. Even people with low-functioning autism, they have something to contribute. And that includes trying to push a hay bale, right? My best one of my buddies who has low functioning autism graduated high school. That says something. Oh, it absolutely does. And I think, you know, as human beings, we all have our own struggles. And it, it's just your struggles may be different than mine, but we both have struggles. And understanding that also, I think, helps us all have more compassion and understanding. I agree. I mean, we need to understand people's quirks. Maybe there's a reason why they bite themselves. I know we shouldn't, but do you know why they do it? Do you know why sometimes people don't act their best behavior in public? Now, some people, granted, are playing crazy. Very true. There's not a, a good excuse. Right. Let's put it that way. They use their dog ate their homework, but there's a majority, there's a reason why they're the way they are. I mean, let's look at serial killers, for example. There's some, sometimes, not all the time, there's some serial killers who are just serial killers and are, guess, got a lot of problems in general that are nothing medical. But there's some serial killers out there that involve medical bipolar disorder, schizophrenia. And even though that, in my opinion, they do need help. There's some others out there who live a great life. I'm on the spectrum. I'm fine. There's a lot of people with schizophrenia. They're fine. What have they done to harm someone? Or what are they doing to harm society? They got schizophrenia. Wow, that's really harmful. And it can be, but it doesn't have to be. I actually had a guy on my show that has schizophrenia, and he was pretty awesome because when he's on his medication, he does great. He functions in every way the rest of us do. And I think his message was that a schizophrenic 
they do have mental issues, but if they get on the right medicine and they stay on their medicine, they can function as well as anybody else. And I bet some days with medicine, they don't feel good, Yeah, but yet they get reprimanded for it. Yeah, that's true. So besides the podcast, what else are you doing today? I would like to, for people to hear. I got a couple of events coming up. Well, not events, speaking engagements. I get to go to a couple of November, hopefully. I think it's going to work out. Papano Beach to talk to some students to talk about bullying, autism acceptance, and my main message. And I get to go to a workshop in Austin, Texas for a motivational speaking retreat. That's great. And you're also an entrepreneur, right? You have a business. Yep. I have, it's the corporation. The podcast is what we use, but the main moneymaker is our speaking engagements and the events. We've had gala. We had a summer fest. Oh, wow. You'll probably know this one. We've had Duke Tomato. I've heard of him, but I'm not real familiar. American guitarist. Yeah, check out his music. Go ahead. If you're an Elvis Presley guy, You'll get reminiscence of him. Oh, wow. But we've had him and another band play. We also had a gala where we always had a keynote speaker and a nice dinner, really. That's great. And you've also done a TED Talk series, correct? Correct. I have done a TED Talk once called Soul Structure, about why people on Spectrum like structure. We had it virtual due to COVID, but it's still qualified as one. And you can still find it around. I think it's on my website too. So do you actually speak at schools? Yeah, I've spoken at a couple of schools. I've spoken at Avon, Indiana and Shoals, Indiana. Okay. But I also speak internationally. I mean, I went to Canada. And if you would have said in Canada, I would have been in Canada five years ago, I would have laughed in your face, but I got to do that. <laughs> so do you get feedback? From, from kids that say, hey, you helped me understand why I am the way I am or that I might have high-functioning odds. Do you ever hear any feedback like that? They don't say it, but I think they at least like me for it. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. So I'll, I'll answer that with a yes. I think even once I made someone, I, I think some, blah, 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 blah. once I made someone cry because of just these certain circumstances and they were on the spectrum, I think, they couldn't imagine as a kid what I went through. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was tough. So what else? You've done all these different things. I don't know if I've left anything out. You're welcome to, to add it. But what else would you like people who are listening today to hear that we haven't already talked about? Well, something I guess that we haven't talked about is I'm also a fan of mental health. I mean, I believe that not only autism is prevalent, but so is mental health. I absolutely believe that even if you got these mental health issues I listed earlier, you're still a human being. Absolutely. But I think that also with the podcast, I'm hoping it to grow as well. I'm hoping one day this could just do something more and I'm taking it one day at a time. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, it sounds like you tell them how successful your podcast is. That's pretty amazing. You've had like 15,000 downloads, you said. and Yeah, more more since I last sent that bio and the message. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So is there anything else that you want to touch on? Uh, not, I'm trying to think for you. I mean, something else that I'm very 
proud to share is I do have sponsors. I've got sponsors in Bloomington and Bedford, Indiana, but I also got them worldwide. I have one in Canada. Right. And I literally did it, but just by asking. Wow. So I still wonder how I do, do that some days. I, I think that's very impressive living in the podcast world. <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, I applaud you on everything you're doing. I'm glad you celebrate your successes. And most of all, I'm glad that you're out there spreading awareness and helping people understand maybe a child better or themselves better or a neighbor better. Yeah, and there's a, and there's a lot of situations you have you can do regardless of the doctors. If you want to go through them because you've tried everything, that's great. But at first, I would not be like, oh, he's got autism. Uh, let's go to a therapist. Try yourself first. There's solutions that my parents have done that did not involve a doctor. What works with me is discussing it out. So you mean just exploring with your own child, if it is your child, what works for them? If it is your child, explore new opportunities. And there are resources out there. If you don't think your son can fly, try Wings for All. It's an airport rehearsal that people will try. Oh, wow. That's pretty amazing. It is amazing, man. So do you have on your, you have a website, correct? Yeah, autismrocksandrolls.com. So do you list a lot of these resources on your website for people to go? Oh, yeah. There's a page called Really Cool Stuff. You look at that. That's where the sources are going to be, dear. Okay, awesome. I just want to make sure people that are listening could find out some of these resources. And obviously they can listen to your podcast as well. Yeah, that, that's on there as well. You got the appearances I've been on, the guests I've had, certain testimonials. And we also do shirt designs. So Oh wow. Yeah, we made a made some shirts. So if you're interested in a shirt, give me a holler. Don't mind uh, giving you one. We do ask for a twenty dollar donation though. Okay. So is it a shirt for your podcast or a shirt for autism awareness? Yeah. As a matter of fact, give me one second. I'll show you what they look like. Okay. We got, so far I only have two like made ones, but sometimes I'll throw in a limited edition. So this is green. It's got the, um, kind, of, kind of reminds me of a child, <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It says autism rocks and rolls. Yeah. If you're a music junkie like myself, got a little guitar, a cymbal, and a mic for you. Yeah, that's neat. Thank you. I like it. Thank you so much. That's pretty cool. I've thought about making some t-shirts for my podcast too, but I haven't got there yet. You're way ahead of me. So well, I bet there's people out there who would do it. And I'll tell you, getting sponsors was probably a big saver. And some people will sponsor a podcast. It's amusing how much people would will do it but i'm thankful for it yeah so you just reached out to them yeah i went on a sponsorship field trip day as i called it and i literally went to every business in the area not not it wasn't like all in one day i didn't go to bloomington and then bedford the same day oh god that would kill me i picked a certain town and then i literally just went hey bloomington every business in bloomington want a sponsor that's great well, anyway, I, I, like I said, I love your mission and I wish you all the success in the world. And I hope people reach out to you or at least go to your website and listen to your podcast. And I thank you for being with me today and sharing your message. Of course. And I just want to say this, this is a 
life belief of mine, and I think it's true personally. I think the role could be nice and not be so stupid. We get along so much better, don't you think? I, I agree a thousand percent. I really do. Me too. And the second part's even hard for me some days. <laughs> so we're definitely working in a progress on that one. <laughs> well, you're doing spectacular, I think. You've achieved more than a lot of people ever will. So you're doing great. And thank you for being on the podcast today. Of course. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. As we wrap up today's episode, I hope Sam sharing his journey and his wisdom has helped you in some way. The main takeaway for me was that there truly is no normal in this world. I think we get conditioned by society to believe that there is a normal and that we're all supposed to adhere to that standard somehow, but it's simply not true. I think Sam truly embraces who he is and he is thriving. His career is one to be envious of, and he has a mission that is so important and so needed in today's world. I think the world is blessed to have Sam as an advocate for autism, among all of the other amazing things he's doing, and he truly is a wonderful human being. What stood out to you? I'd love to hear from you. As always, I hope this episode helps at least one person, and with that, I hope you have a blessed week, my friend. Thank you for listening to The Beauty in the Mess. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas you would like to hear about, or you think you would be a great guest on the show, you can reach me directly at thebeautyinthemess.com. Thanks for listening.